I'm Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have... Uh, Clay Austin, a member of Category 5 and USA Dodgeball South Rep. Um, yeah, so anyone who, who knows of Clay or played in the South knows that um, at least the way I know of Clay is through actually his team, Category 5. Um, they're one of the few teams that I know who daily, who post, well, at the time when we did play dodgeball, uh, post out a lot of funny memes and just take playful jabs at everyone. So outside of uh, Dynasty, um, who, who else was it? Dynasty, Gamecocks, and now <laughs> fairly recently before the pandemic, Heat, Category 5 has been uh, holding it down for the meme game. So that's how I came across uh, Clay. Seems fair to assume, yeah, right? Yeah. If I can interject, I, as much as I hate to admit it, we've got to throw Syndicate in the mix as, as far as memes and, and trolling goes. That, that yeah. <laughs> it, it's been a while since we clearly played dodgeball, so that definitely slipped my mind. So I do apologize to Syndicate. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be targeted for that. Um, <laughs> so, Clay, before we get into your story, let's get some of the preliminaries out of the way. Um, what is your jersey number and what, what's the story behind it? Uh, jersey number is zero zero zero, depending on manufacturer. Some manufacturers like to print zero zero for some reason. Um, so yeah, either zero or double zero. That sends back from like PB days of playing basketball uh, back when I was little. Jersey numbers ran by size, so when I started playing ball, I was always the tiniest guy on the court. So it was always a zero or double zero, and that just kind of carried forward. <laughs> so it wasn't uh, Gilbert Arenas inspired or West Westbrook inspired. It was just because of the jersey size. Uh, I'm older than both of them, so they copied me. <laughs> fair game, fair game. Um, yeah, you don't see that uh, jersey number too often, so whenever you see that, um, you kind of have to ask why. Like, is there a particular reason behind it? And I mean, yours seemed pretty simple right off the bat, and it's just sort of like a number you're stuck with. Then, yeah, it was. Yeah, I said, you know, first, you know, many seasons growing up playing ball, that was that was always the only available jersey that was in my size. So when it came time to, I have options. Well, let's just stick with what, what we've been doing. <laughs> and um, where did you start playing dodgeball? Like, how did that come about? It. I started playing in New Orleans. It. It was kind of one of those random things. I was talking with a friend of mine, and you know, she, she and I, we need to do something outdoors or active and it's just us because before that it was always like the large group of people and so let's break off and do our own thing and, and find something to do and we kicked around all the usual rec sports ideas that we found of course you know kickball being kickball we both hated that idea and then we found you know new Orleans dodgeball association said all right let's give it a try and i fell in love with it right away and was, up until pandemic hadn't stopped playing since <laughs> and what year was it um that you and your friend decided to try dodgeball? That was 2015, I believe. Oh, 2015. Um, this is going to sound kind of kind of lame because I'm pretty sure you know who these guys are. Uh, were you a part of Coup de Gras? Or do you uh, know any of those guys? I, I do know those guys. I I played with them for one term. I think it was like South Round 2, 2017, 2018. Um, they... My team wasn't going to make it, and they were a player short, so I, I jumped on the roster for one match. Oh, okay, cool. All right, because I, I could have sworn I thought you played on that team a lot longer than just one, but... Um, yeah. yeah, we... So, we it, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, uh, so what was the name of the organization? Uh, New Orleans... Uh, New Orleans Dodgeball Association, yes. And they're kind of like your, like, 
rec league over there? Uh, yeah, they, they, they're the rec league. If you want dodgeball, um, at least what we consider real dodgeball, there is another adult rec league, but they're playing foam and like in a field in a city park or something like that. It's, it's more of a beer league social gathering that is actually playing a sport. So no, one, <laughs> no one's dodgeball association. If you want to play a more competitive sport, that's the way to go. And do they play no sting or foam or 8.5? Uh, we, we mix it up. We uh, will run, we run primarily no sting. Um, that's just when we, when the league first started, that was what Stu brought over from LA when he moved over and, and got the league started. Um, and then we, we played 8.5. We play foam. Uh, we kicked around the idea of, of bringing cloth in, you know, what, what would have been the 2020 season, but clearly that didn't happen. I was about to ask uh, how Stu fit into the history of uh, New Orleans dodgeball. Cause I do remember him being in LA for a bit. Yeah. He played in LA for however many years he, he was playing over there. And then I don't, I also don't remember how or why he relocated New Orleans, but he said, all right, let's, let's do it. Let's bring it. And if I'm telling the story correctly, and I hope that I am, it was uh, he and Danny Kennedy, um, who also came over from L.A. at the time, um, got it going and, and built it from the ground up. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I, I figured their uh, their names would pop up at some point, so I'm glad they uh, they got a little nod early on. So safe to assume your first impression of dodgeball was very impactful in the way that you just wanted to run with it. What was it about dodgeball versus say kickball and other rec sports that you tried that made you want to go with it with the vast majority of of rec sports or competitive sports however you want to look at it if you're a generally a bigger stronger athlete you have the advantage so if you're playing basketball you know like myself i'm you know five foot nine on a good day you know playing (laughs) against guys that are you know six three to you know seven foot i'm gonna get worked you know, and that's just being on and dodgeball. It doesn't have that, you know, being large and, and being able to throw hard has advantages, but also has disadvantages and being small and more agile has advantages and disadvantages. So being able to adapt your, your body type and your play style, you, you can overcome, you know, your, your more true mainstream style athletes. Here that's actually look. a nice little breakdown. Um, I, I always said that dodgeball is like the most physically, non-contact contact sport there is because there's a sense of physicality behind it but it's not contact based it's more between the ball and the player rather than let's say football or whatever where it's player on player you know what i mean absolutely uh, and anyone that's taken 8.5 to the face from you know guys like catch or pion it's a contact sport and there's definitely a lot of physicality in it. <laughs> yeah uh when i say non-contact i mean between player and player <laughs> but the contact is definitely the ball implied <laughs> That's why I always try to break it down with people. And in a way, you kind of broke it down in a different way, but I actually agree with that. It does take away a lot of the physical advantages, disadvantages that you would see in other sports, but also highlights some other advantages that often gets overlooked. Um, you seem like you're really <laughs> you seem really intelligent. You seem like you break things down very well. So I'd like to uh, get your answer to this question. Um, did you have a sports background? And if so, like, how did that translate to dodgeball, if it did? Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Missouri where, you know, everyone loves basketball, everyone loves football. But wrestling is kind of the key sport up here between, you know, Missouri and Iowa, you know, Ohio, that, you know, that, that true Midwest region. Um, and I started wrestling when I was six. <coughs> Excuse me. And I didn't stop competing competitively. So I was about 25 and that was 
kind of what led me into, into finding another sport is I needed to transition from, from one to another just to maintain myself in, in good shape and my own sanity. Um, yeah, I, I've coached amateur and professional athletes. So breaking down footage and seeing movements and, and those little minor details are really what I bring to the table of the team because I'm not the best athlete. You know, I, I don't throw hard. I don't dodge well. I, I can barely catch half, half the time. Um, but being able to be more of that tactician role and, you know, coaching from the sideline, coaching from, from the, the front line or the back line um, is, is kind of where I've been at. So um, you've, I've, I've, I've known you wrestled before. Um, I had no idea you had such an uh, extensive coaching pedigree. Um, how long were you doing that for? Uh, in total, like six years. Actually, my, my coaching career kind of went in reverse. I was coaching uh, professional fighters as their wrestling coach in Tampa and then regressed into high school and then junior high afterwards. It was kind of a, a weird backward transition. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of quickly, how, how did that happen? Like, Because normally you, you, you hear that story in reverse. Yeah, for, for most coaches, it is reverse. You, know, you start coaching Little League and then work your way up you know, into the high school and then you know, college if it's there. And then if you're really lucky, uh, you know, working with, with professional athletes. For me, uh, I was living in Tampa and just having me training at an MMA and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym. And they were breaking down technique and I corrected them and said, no, you, it should be done this way and this way. And I was like, well, you know, what would you know? I said, well, and I'm new to your gym, but here's what I've been, what I've been doing. And I said, oh, well, we don't have a wrestling coach to dedicate just to wrestling would you want to come on board? And I was like, sure, why not? And this was um, 15 years ago, maybe. So this is like the, the the beginning of mainstream UFC. So Ultimate Fighter was like season four at the time, I think, if anyone follows that show and that sport. I, I follow it, yeah. <laughs> so guys, like I, it was, you know, if you remember, like guys like Matt Arroyo and those guys were who I was working with, all the guys out of Gracie, Gracie Tampa. Nice. So yeah, it kind of worked there. And then I ended up moving to New Orleans and, started coaching a local high school <laughs> um okay weird tangent um i'm gonna forgive myself later have you ever seen the movie never back down yes yes i have <laughs> and what did you think of that um it was absolutely atrocious <laughs> by, by all aspects i mean i couldn't separate my background and what i knew and who i knew from just a cinema a fan i couldn't I, I couldn't do you know that suspended reality suspended belief um and yeah it was it was horrible and what about um this was uh tom hardy's breakout role what about warrior warrior was it was okay um not gonna say it was great it was more realistic if you can't have a movie based around a sport and have it, and have it be both realistic and visually and you know cinematically appealing yeah um <laughs> i would have to say that for me i well fun fact uh i actually was an extra a, a background extra for never back down and i actually was at the premiere of warrior and for me like whenever people ask me like because i'm a big mma fan i love ufc have some vhs ca cassette tapes and stuff from when i was younger um like guys like Marco Huas, Mark Coleman. And um, I always say that Warrior is kind of like the MMA version of Rocky because it resonates that much. Absolutely. And more in a realistic way, not so much a, a cinematic way, yeah. if that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And, and, I, and I would agree with that statement. Yeah. I mean, there's no 
Eye of the Tiger soundtrack or anything like that. It's just it's as gritty as it gets. But there's some there's some things that are like not sure if I believe in that. But otherwise, like it's it, it's pretty gritty in that sense. Absolutely, yeah. I say it was a good good film, and you know it it had some errors. You know, I don't, if you look at you know Tom Hardy and Joe Edgerton, they're clearly not even more close to the same weight class. You know. No. So it, it would have been if, if they'd actually shown, you know, Sylvester Stallone standing next to Dolph Lundgren without the box, you know, with all those close up shots, you know, it, they were they were nowhere close to the same. But it was it was still an, you know, entertaining, fun movie. All right, for sure. Uh, I, I always felt like like people ask me, like, what's the number one thing um, that's so unrealistic about that movie? And you kind of touched on that. Well, in the United States, there's no state commission that will allow open weight fighting. But if you go in Japan, that's free for all. And it yeah, felt like yeah. that was like an open weight, uh, what they call absolute. Yeah, uh, it, it felt like, you know, old, old pride days. There we go. That's what I was, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. You know, we, we kind of went on an MMA tangent, but if you know, you know. So <laughs> I just wanted to go in that with Claire. <laughs> um, so getting back to dodgeball, because I'm pretty sure that's going to be one of few breakdown um, rabbit holes we go into. Um, would you rank your how would you rank your favorite ball types? Um, no sting is still my number one. It, it's what I started on. Uh, with me having smaller hands, it, it is easier to grip. I can and my throw style adapts well because I, I, I throw sidearm. Um, mm. So doing that with with an 8.5 is is difficult. Uh, foam, I'm just not a fan of because there isn't that physicality that we talked about earlier. You know, I, as much as I, I sure I wouldn't like it, I would rather get hit in the face by, you know, Ketchum or Pine or, you know, some of the other power throwers in the men's division with a foam ball than an 8.5 or a no sting. Um, so that, that said, I, I'll take 8.5 as my two. Um, I'm going to throw cloth in as my number three, even though I've only played with it one time. That was, you know, South round one, you know, our last event. Um, yeah. and, then finally, and then finally foam. It's, it's just not my, not my favorite. Um, that being said, I won't turn down a foam game. I'll play in a foam tournament. I've done it a handful of times, and I'll, I'll do it again in the future. It's interesting you rank cloth over foam, considering we only played it that one time in Fort Worth. Um, why? Why? What is it about cloth that you played once versus foam that you might have played more than once? Well, why would you rank cloth over? I think the the ball with foam, just the way that it grips, it's – you know, it's larger than a no sting, smaller than an 8.5, so it's kind of that hybrid middle ground. Um, but I, I couldn't, didn't have enough time with the ball to be able to dial in a throw and, and be, you know, very accurate. So it was still kind of a weird throw, but it, but it was a fun game. It was, it was more fun than playing foam. And that might be just because it was a, a new ball type and a new style, and everyone was kind of leveled. So against, you know, the more dominant teams, you know, in the South, you know, you know guys like outsiders that are usually very strong in no sting and 8.5 didn't have a whole lot of experience on this new ball type. So we were all, we were all kind of figured out as we went, which made the game more fun and more competitive. <laughs> so um, I'm going to bring up a little bit of a critique and maybe you might agree with it. might disagree with it. Um, there was a guest last year that we both know that said that the ball is very sweaty. Did you notice that when we played it? We're talking about the, the we're talking about cloth balls. Cloth balls, cloth. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna say it was well. It, I think it would depend on on who you're playing against on whether that ball type was sweaty. Um, <laughs> as anyone that's been around, you know, elite and USA dodgeball, there are players that you, that you play with or against that are just profuse sweaters. So if they take one to the chest, that ball is just 
disgusting for the next you know 30 minutes or until we get it clean um, i'm not going to call anyone out by name but they know who they are <laughs> i'm gonna just say I'm, I'm i'm i wouldn't say i'm a profuse sweater but yeah i'm pretty sure i, I i've left a few puddles behind um, so I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. Uh, so, um, prior to any tournament, do you have a pregame ritual that you follow with either you or your team? Um, myself, I don't really have a, a pregame ritual. Um, I always tell, I, you know, I, I always tell myself I'm gonna throw the, the headphones in and you know throw on the playlist to get to get amped up and rolling. Um, but I always end up getting distracted because I'll be in the middle of warming up and I'll see somebody, especially if it's a, a national event or out of region that I haven't seen in you know a year or more. And then I'll, oh, hey, what's going on? What's going on? You know, who are you playing with this year? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go play. <laughs> uh, if I'm actually dialed in, which is usually just like a national tournament, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's headphones in. It's the old wrestling mentality. My warm-ups are still very much the same as if I was going to compete in a you know, jiu-jitsu or wrestling tournament of just – try to visualize the plan, but, you know, as it is with, with tournaments, you can visualize all you want until you actually set foot on that, on the court with that opponent, the game plan can usually go out to win, especially if you don't know who you're playing, you know, in the next round as, as it goes with brackets. Yeah, that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, I definitely would agree with that, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so you, you would pretty much, you pretty much are more dialed in at nationals versus let's say round one, round two, round three. I, I think so, um, just because it is that that unknown. So it's it's a little bit more serious, even though, I mean, realistically speaking, my teammates may hate me for this. You know, Cat 5, at best, we know we're probably going to finish middle of the pack unless we get a lucky break somewhere. Um, but knowing that I'm, you know, going to step on the court against, you know, the, the men and women that I don't normally get to see. So I, I take it a little bit more serious than if I'm, you know, at a South event or, a, you know, another regional where I, I know exactly who I'm facing and, and how they play. Okay, that that definitely that definitely makes sense. So you've kind of just depending on the mood, whether it's like a round or nationals, like you just you're more primed based on the severity and the unknown. Right. Like with with South events, I mean, everyone knows South is is a very 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 small region. Um, you know, so we, you know, we end up playing the, the same teams over and over and over, and and having been in for, you know for a few years now, unless there's a major team shift where you know rosters change dramatically. You know, you know, when you when you step on the court against outsiders or syndicate or wrecking balls or any other teams down there, what you're going to get, you know, and, and we've all played each other enough to know that, OK, this person's going to do this and this person's going to do that. So it's more of just getting warmed up and, you know, going out and playing and let the you know dice fall as they may. You know, whereas nationals, you know, you see a lot of teams that, that you haven't seen before or ever. And so it, it's it's a little bit more serious for me, even though I know competitively speaking, we're about where we're going to finish every year. And uh, when you say you listen, you put on your headphones. Uh, what what uh, songs do you uh, normally listen to? Um, it, uh, I'm all over the map. Uh, there's Sinatra <laughs> on that playlist. Uh, there's you know dubstep and EDM on the playlist. There's hip hop on the playlist. Um, generally, I'll start with uh, the end of the Spider Verse soundtrack. Is usually where I start. Nice. Um, it it it's got a great tempo and it's it's easy to flow and without having to really focus on any lyrics or anything, you can just kind of roll with it. Oh, so yeah, that's usually where I start, but after that, it, it just goes all over the map, you know, and it's just songs that I've selected where I, I allow my brain to separate and kind of think without actually thinking about warmups. Nice. 
any New Orleans uh, bass artists on that playlist? Um, I mean, the usual suspects, Juby's on the list. Um, yeah. Boosie's on the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got a couple local guys on there that are up and coming, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much mostly mainstream. It's just not a lot of things that most people think of, of, of a sports warm-up playlist. Fair enough. All right. Um, before we get into the crowdsource questions, I wanted to ask you, because uh, you are a cook, you are, are, are you a chef, right? I am a chef, yes. Okay. I, I didn't want to make that incorrect distinction between cook and, and chef. So I want to make sure before I said anything. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's, 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 it's all the same. It's just a matter of, of responsibility because, you know, whether you're the, the new get, the new person in the kitchen who's just learning to cook or you've been doing it for 30 years as a professional, you know, the, the job is more or less the same. It's just a matter of degrees of, of responsibility within. So to me, there's no offense by, by saying cook or chef, either one. It's it's a job. It's what I do. <laughs> Fair enough. So I want to ask you, you, you've been in New Orleans, what, your whole life, right? Or most of your uh, life? Most of my adult life. Like I said, I grew up in the Midwest and then I bounced around with the military and then ended up settling in New Orleans. Okay. So I want you to, I want you to sell New Orleans on what's the one like, how do I say? What's the one cuisine that you want to say, like, hey, if you want to come out to New Orleans, this will win you over? As, you know, a 12-year veteran of the New Orleans hospitality industry down there, I get that question 15 times a day from tourists. You know, where do I go eat? What do I do? And my answer is always saying, you pick up a rock, throw it, whatever building you hit, go in and eat. Um, <laughs> it, New Orleans, as far as the culinary scene down there, like everyone that grows up there, everybody knows how to cook. Like it's, it's just ingrained in their DNA, like food and drink is what that region does. Uh, so, and with the city being as small as it is and almost hundred percent tourism based, if you're a commercial restaurant and you're mediocre or below, you will not survive two years. You know, it, wow. they're, they're, it's, it's a brutal restaurant game down there. So any place that's open is doing something right. You know, and it's it's just the way that it is down there. So it, it's fun because you there's restaurants that pop up every week, or at least you know pre-pandemic are popping up seemingly every week. So it's yeah, there's food everywhere. Everyone makes good food. You know, some people have a better specialty than others, but you're not going to get a bad meal really anywhere down there. Damn, <laughs> that can answer the question without actually answering the question. No, I mean that that kind of just like. That 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 kind of answered the question more than I expected, but it also like it kind of hit me in the gut because. All right, so before we go into Crassler's question, I'm going to another rabbit hole. Um, so two years ago, um, there was round three in New Orleans, and we played in in my in my my personal opinion, my favorite venue. We played in this high school where like there was like two rows of like, and it felt like we played in a pit. You know what I mean? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Um, I, if I remember, the, if I remember that event, yeah, that was. I think that was just a thrown together venue that we found at the last minute for Mark. Okay, and um, there was like next to where we were playing. There's this like weight room that looked like a Division One college weight room compared to the high school I used to go to. <laughs> oh wait, wait, back up. Okay, that was not okay. I was thinking of two different two different rounds. Yeah, the one you're thinking of, that was actually Holy Cross High School. That was the school that I coach wrestling at. So that weight, oh, D1. Uh, Jim, you saw that was where my wrestlers worked out. Oh, sweet. Okay, so that then you know exactly what I'm talking about. 2018, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so out of all the rounds leading up to that that season, I wanted to go to New Orleans because I've been to Texas several times. I'm not gonna lie, 
Uh, <laughs> I have never been to Memphis, but I had no expectation really. But the food was there was great. But I wanted to go to New Orleans. I really wanted to go to New Orleans. But I had a terrible thing where once I got to the airport, they canceled my flight and they rebooked it eight hours later. So I didn't land until midnight. So even though I was like two blocks away from Bourbon Street, I didn't really do any exploring because once I had to land, I had to go to sleep. So when you mentioned like you throw a rock and wherever you land, that's where you eat. Like I kind of, I, I, I'm kind of bummed that I never got a chance to, to do that, but I'm looking forward to, to doing that now that you kind of like pretty much describe the culinary scene out there. <laughs> and like I said, you know, a lot of that is, you know, population density in, in a small you know, area, whereas, you know, some place like LA, which has fantastic food, New York has fantastic food. All these major cities have great food, but everything is incredibly spread out because their metros are so big. Yeah, you know, no one has a tiny footprint that would fit into, you know, a suburb of LA. So yeah. imagine, you know, packing all of Los Angeles metro food into like West Covina. <laughs> can't wait to get back on the court can't wait to fly and hopefully you know around in new orleans just because i definitely want sure to happen uh, just geographically speaking we don't have a whole lot of city options down there <laughs> yeah i definitely want to experience the the bar scene out there as well because you also you also claimed or also stated numerous times to me that no one can out drink the south that's that's a proven fact <laughs> i was like i know you're not going to backtrack from that statement so now that this is going to go on this is going to be immortalized <laughs> you know as much of a friend rivalry as we have with you know guys like you know you know everybody from syndicate and outsiders when it comes to that the south unifies <laughs> I, I love i love that and i miss that i love that <laughs> All right, so, and yeah, I will say the South does have the best food. Uh, definitely won me over. Uh, so let's get into the crowdsource questions. Uh, one of which, the first one comes from Felix Peroni and his infamous Would You Rathers. Would you rather play on Syndicate for one year or drink 18 ounces of hot chocolate made with watered-down mayo instead of milk? This is a disgustingly beautiful question. Felix, I, this is one of the best I've ever seen from you or from anyone, really, for the crowdsource questions. Uh, that said, bring on the mayo hot cocoa. What the? Really? Absolutely. Mayo? Really? Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I can't play for Syndicate. I, I won't. And I don't, I don't mean that in any disrespect to those guys. You know, I'm friends with, I think, everyone on that roster. There. I'm good friends with them. But it's one of those things that there was such back and forth the last couple of years, you know, through social media with memeing and, and trolling everybody. <laughs> and out of principle, I, I can't play for, for that team. Now, that said, I do have a couple syndicate jerseys in my collection. Uh, I just I couldn't play for that team just because now if it was a one and done tournament. Yeah, maybe. But I'm, I'm still. But, be, but because you said play for syndicate one year. Yeah, because of that little hick right there, then no. <laughs> I got to say, you really take him up for the team. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, let's see. Corey Larson responded with a gif. Can you not wait to have hot chocolate? And Lone Star, speaking of trolling, they, they photoshopped you with a syndicate jersey on. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and, and for that reason, I'm sticking with, with the mayo hot cocoa. <laughs> 
Oh man, I I would love to. You know what? No, I would not want to see that. Never mind. Um, <laughs> but, but up until you said you don't want to see it, I was willing to. I was. I'll video it. I don't even care. I will do it just to spite Syndicate and show how bad I don't want to play for them. I will say you are competitive. I will say that uh, you, you are. You keep it one hundred. I will say that. Um, <laughs> next one from Francisco Ortega. He has several, so let's go with the first one. Memorable yeah. moment in a South tournament. I don't know that any one moment really stands out. Um, it's it's the South culture in general, I, because we are again, like you know, we are very small. We play each other so much in the same teams over and over and over. That to me, that's a highlight of of being in the South, because you know anyone can beat anyone on any given day. But knowing that, all right, I'm going, you know, I'm on my corner and Vaughn is on his corner and that's who I'm going to battle for the next 30 minutes. And we're, it's with, with this being very, very small, we become very close knit. And, you know, you get those fun rivalries where you may battle it out and smash each other in the face and then you hug it out 15 minutes later and you grab a beer that night. So just the South experience as a whole is my, my one true memorable moment. Yeah, um, I can, I can, I can definitely speak to that. Uh, it's definitely the culture of the South that you know keeps me coming back. I definitely enjoy it. I enjoy my team there, and you know, I, I like I said, I can't wait to go to LAX and have a flight booked to go out there. I mean, the South has a unique culture in that, and this is just for the audience here. I'm not, I'm not preaching to the choir, but the South has a unique culture in that it's competitive, but it's very uh, how do I say family oriented? Fair to say. I think that's incredibly fair to say. Um, people there will, you know, I've had people offer to pick me up from the airport. I've had people offer me to go to their team dinners. Um, people send me or, you know, people would send, cause I don't live there, but I play there would send me like bars to check out in various cities, depending on where I'm, you know, staying at Airbnb or otherwise. So it is definitely a family oriented uh, uh, competitive scene. I would say. Clay pretty much hit the nail on the head. Still can't get over that hot chocolate mayo though. Okay. <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna move fast that. All right. Next one. Underrated South team. Uh, I think it's wrecking balls. Uh, uh, they, you know, are a competitive team, you know, every single tournament. Um, if you look at those guys, even that doesn't know, you know, Joe and Justin and Angelo and Sam and all those guys. If you look at them, they don't – they look like a bunch of beer league rec players. Um, but they show up every single tournament, and they ball, and they ball hard. Um, and I, I don't think that they get the respect that they that I, that I think they should deserve. Um, you know, if you ask anyone from outside the South, you know, name a, you know, name a dodgeball team from South, they're going to they're gonna tell you without question, they're going to tell you outsiders. They're going to tell you probably syndicate, maybe Cat 5, but they're going to usually leave wrecking balls off that list. Um, and they usually finish right alongside everybody else. So, yeah, I, I think those are the underrated guys in the South. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure why they're overlooked. Uh, maybe it's because the, as far as the history of the South is concerned, um, I know it's been dominated by A-Rush and historically A-Rush and now Outsiders. So, you know, it's it's kind of easy to overlook any other team, but 
they've always been in the in the running almost yeah. since their beginning of their tenure they've always been in the running for it as you know, as long as i've been playing competitively you know they were you know a perennial top 3 top 4 and you know would I mean, i'll go ahead and say they'll generally lose to outsiders as as do we um, and then we hit the national scene and the South all kind of usually gets knocked out in the same round. So it's, it's hard to say, you know, where they could go, you know, in a, in a different tournament. So yeah, I think breaking balls is, is the underrated. All right. Uh, next one from Francisco. How is transitioning from playing in local leagues to nationals? That was a very rough and eye opening experience. So my first, you know, quote unquote national tournament, you know, elite back when elite was still elite. Um, was the national tournament in New Orleans that year. So it was at 2017, 2018? Uh, I want to say it's 2016. Okay. So my, so that was that was my first tournament outside of New Orleans, outside of playing in our rec league. Um, so I went from playing against people that don't really play sports and come together, you know, once a week for an hour to goof off and play with their friends to getting hit in the face, you know, by, you know, Vince and Pyan and Tim and all those guys. Um but it it was it was eye opening. It was hard. It was brutal. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, I think my team that year was uh, myself, Derek Cavoto, and Dylan Hitchens, and then a couple other you know random rec leaguers that we talked into risking their lives to play this game with us. And and we were atrocious. We lost um, every single match of round robin, um, except for one. And if you don't mind attention, I, I've got to give a little story and shout out on that one. Go for it. The one match that we won was against Valhalla that year. Um, and we were we were you know, excited that we won and probably a little too excited because I think we celebrated a little much because I think 15 seconds in celebration, I was like, wow, we're being way too extra about this. And so I went over and I, I grabbed uh, Tets. I was like, hey, I'm sorry for the celebration. You know, we won. It was our first one ever. So, you know, we just, having a good time with it. He's like, no, you're cool. It's all good. And then he sat down and talked to me for, you know, 15 minutes maybe after the match and just about the game in terms of, you know, play style and how, where, where he thought we could improve. And that was, that was eye-opening to me because I went into it with the mentality of, you know, I'm a competitive athlete playing in this, you know, national level tournament. I'm coming here. I'm, I'm going to beat Doom. If I got to, even if I got to do it single-handedly, I'm going to beat Doom, which clearly didn't happen. Um, <laughs> And that's when I was talking with him, it, it became more of, oh, wow, there's there's more to this than just, you know, hitting each other in the head with the ball. You know, there's sportsmanship here. There's, you know, what I saw at the beginnings of community, which really made me fall in love with it. So I've, I've got to give props to to the to him and, you know, to Valhalla to being awesome. Yeah. Um, I would have to say that. Uh, I know everyone on Valhalla. I mean, uh Played with every one of them here in our ro- uh, local league, and uh, played with Tets for Tates for a lot longer. Um, yeah, they're a solid bunch of people, man. They really are. And uh, Tates, if you're listening, we miss you down here. Uh, but I know you don't want to see me on the basketball court. And <laughs> that also goes for Derek Cavado. You're the mouse in the house. Um, <laughs> me and Derek have this fun little rivalry where, and that, now I'm going to go into another one. Um, <laughs> I don't know what started it, but anytime like we would go into the into the gym prior to like let's say the captain's meeting, I'll put my stuff down, mingle with my team, and next thing I know, I'll feel I'll feel someone like posting me up, trying to box me out. 
like we're going for a rebound and it's Derek. I don't know what started it, but he always says I'm the mouse in the house, even though I got wingspan and size on him, but I missed the guy. So <laughs> shout out to Derek. Uh, <laughs> and how do you keep yourself occupied or how did you keep yourself occupied during the shutdown? It was a lot of video games and a lot of books. Um, I, you know, I, in New Orleans, as a, as a chef, COVID hit us hard. Um, there, the city is just not beginning to to reopen, and people are returning to work. Um, so yeah, so I I sat on my butt for six months straight, maybe. Uh, my Warzone game got a whole lot better, but you know the rest <laughs> of I fell down in the process. So yeah, so I a whole lot of books, a lot of comic books, a lot of movies, and a whole bunch of video games. All right, I'm gonna ask you, what's your favorite comic book? Oh man, we're that's brutal to ask because I'm all over the map. I, I tend to stick with some of the more obscure stuff. Just I, I avoid the mainstream stories. Um, I read a lot of New Mutants uh, just because it's it's kind of dark. It's it's gritty. It's it's not the you know Care Bear style X Men stuff that a lot of people are used to reading. You know, it's not Spider Man. Right. Um, so yeah, so that's that's generally where I read, and then. I'll bounce around. I'll, I'll find someone to recommend a storyline to me and I'll, I'll just go pick up, you know, all 10 issues of that run and, and go from there. Well, if you like dark, if you like gritty, I would fall. I mean, it is kind of in the mainstream element, but it is a little darker than most. I would follow uh, dark Knights metal. Okay. And dark Knights death metal. And okay. um, pretty much it's uh, to kind of give you like a, quick quick uh, synopsis it's pretty much about a supernatural deity who's been following batman his whole life and has gone through multiple universes finding evil versions of batman to kill the main version of him all right i'll, I'll check that out i'm actually headed to my complex for this afternoon so i will i'll look for this yeah it, it's well death knight's metal actually ended now so you'd actually read I mean, it's probably compressed in like 10 issues each. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a, a good read. And if you're into like heavy metal music and like kind of gory aspects, and yeah, I would say that that's the most grittiest. I would say the most R-rated <laughs> Batman Justice League storyline you could probably read. I'll, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> and last one. So you pretty much just didn't do any training you just played warzone yeah pretty much i i've gotten significantly fatter and my knees hate me even more than before covid <laughs> well here i mean you've done wrestling before so i'm sure you can you know just put on a sauna suit and cut that yeah i, I can drop it off it's you know I, i've just got to get back on the court and, and get active again all right so uh good buddy corley larson asked also several questions uh we kind of touched on it before but you said your friend got you into playing dodgeball yeah, yeah, like I said it was just one of those things I need to stay active and and we found dodgeball's a rec league. It's All right, so the second the second one, favorite south player and why? Only and because he asked, I'm going to say Corey. <laughs> and why Corey? Oh, just cuz he asked. Just cuz uh, and and he introduced uh me to one of my favorite restaurants in the DFW area, which is a place called Heart 8. Uh, it's a <sighs> fantastic barbecue place for anyone that hasn't been. Yeah, yeah, this is hitting me in the feels, man. Um, (laughs) 
that was actually where uh, I went the first round or no it was a second round in dfw two years ago so he actually recommended that to me it's, it's kind of odd that you mentioned that <laughs> yeah, i think that's his go-to recommendation that he just blankets with everybody and it just happens to work out um but yeah when, when we went it was i don't know members of like four or five different teams all got together for dinner that night and for anyone that hasn't been a hard eight it's a barbecue place but it's set up uh, I'll, I'll call it cafeteria style where you're just walking through a line and picking out what you want and the bar is the first stop and the last stop. So you can grab a beer, make your selections, drink your beer, grab another beer, and then grab your food and enjoy. <sighs> Reasons I love the South. Um, <laughs> the last one from Corey. Uh, favorite South team to play historically? What do you call them? Lone Star, you call them Syndicate. It's those guys. Um, just they you know, of the South teams, they are competitive and they were fun. You know, uh, some teams take, take the game more serious than others, and they kind of align with, you know, our mentality of, well, yeah, we're going to play and we're going to play hard, but we're here to have a good time and, you know, hang out as well. So they were, I don't want to call them our mirror match, but mentally speaking, the, our approach to the game, I think, was very similar. And that carried over into now Syndicate or Yindicat, if you've had a crop of images. Um, and, you know, and of course that bled over into the meme wars and trolling each other and carries on hopefully into the future. <laughs> so Frenchy win went really in, he hard eight or hard eight. So of course, Cor- yeah, Corey just kind of recommends that to everyone, I guess. Yes. And I said, <laughs> it works out because I don't know anyone that's been there and didn't enjoy it. So if you're in the DFW area, check out hard eight barbecue. For sure. Shameless uh, unpaid plug. I promise. Oh, I mean, I, I've been plugging the South any chance I get. I mean, I, I'm getting no residuals off this, so <laughs> ain't nothing shameless about that. Um, Randall Randall Mitchell, right, I'm sorry, yeah, Randall Mitchell asked several questions. Did you ever want to slap Deeks just because it's Deeks? Deeks is <laughs> the little brother of the team. He's one of my best friends. He's, you know, he, he truly, he, I think of him like, like my younger brother. Um, that said, of course I want to slap him all the time. <laughs> and I, and I'm sure you know I'm sure it's you know the reverse is true as well but yeah, because you know as that the younger because he, he is the baby of the team um he's always you know when category five started he was 21 maybe and the rest of us were all you know 30 and older I believe so he, he, he's always been the baby and because that he takes a lot of he, he's the, the butt of a lot of the jokes um and he, he takes it in stride he fights back he plays back but yeah everyone wants to slap him in the face <laughs> do you think Deeks should be banned from Facebook for his dad jokes? No, he shouldn't be banned. He, he should stop doing them because he's not good. Really? Yeah. His, Some his, of them are pretty good. The, the ones he steals from other people's statuses? Sure. Those, those are good. Oh, wait. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, now we're getting into groundbreaking territory. So you're saying how, how much of his posts are stolen? I'm going to say about 85%. I, I think he's the, the Dane Cook of dad jokes. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, hmm. All right. Uh, wait for the team chat to blow up after this, this gets published live. <laughs> no, this will be posted on Friday for sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> and Austin Dinks. Uh, 
send a gift to Randall Mitchell. I've got I've done nothing to hurt you. And Randall says, I love you, bro Montana. <laughs> wow. And and for anyone who doesn't know, those are both teammates of mine. Randall, Randall's part of Cat Five as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh Randall, um, so a funny story. I met Randall and Austin in Memphis. Um I had on my headphones on and I guess I had them on pretty loud because I had some old school No Limit Soldiers playing and they one of them tapped me on the shoulder like, oh, you jammed? We jammed to that too. And we became friends ever since. And then they started rapping the rest of the song that I'm already listening to. That sounds like anyone from New Orleans, yes. Pretty much, yeah. If, if you rep New Orleans, you rep it hard. I don't know anyone from New Orleans, even people that live here that sort of rep it. No, they rep it. They rep Tigers, they rep Saints, uh, Hornets, Pelicans, whatever they're calling themselves now. They rep it hard. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> if you're from the South, you rep that hard, especially in New Orleans. Um, all right. Just, before I continue, did I pronounce it right? New Orleans or Nolens? Neither. Ooh. It's so it, it's weird. So if you ask anyone that, that's you know from there, born or raised there, they're going to tell you it's New Orleans, pronounced O-R-L-I-N-S. Okay. But the city of New Orleans is in Orleans Parish, spelled the exact same way with the exact same history. So it it, it is what it is. But, yeah, it's definitely not Nolens. Please don't ever say that. Um, and that goes to everyone on the Internet. Please stop saying it like that. Um, right. <laughs> New Orleans, it will, will get you, you know, some leeway. No one will say anything. But. Yeah, if you, if you do that god-awful fake Cajun accent of Nolens that Hollywood likes to put on everybody from there, um, you will get side-eyed and the, the judgment's coming. <laughs> Fair enough. I wanted to get that out the way. All right. Um, the good buddy, friendly rival, and someone who just lost cool points for me, uh, Jordan Whitworth, <laughs> coming in hot with this. You seem like a smart man, Clay. So I have to ask. How could you choose a nasty establishment such as Whataburger over In-N-Out? So I'm going to go on record by saying I am not a big Whataburger fan. You know, I'm I'm not from, as they say, the great state of Texas. So I, I don't have the love for it that, that my, my Texan counterparts do. Um, but we do share a hatred for In-N-Out. Um, I just, I think In-N-Out is completely overhyped. Um, I don't understand having a, a quote-unquote secret menu if literally everyone knows about it. It's not really a secret. <laughs> um, secret sauce, I'm pretty much sure it's just Thousand Island slapped on top of a really sloppily made burger. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's a regional thing, you know. I, we're not from from SoCal, you know, or, you know, that area. You know, and the people that love it love SoCal, and that's, you know, where they're from and where they rep, you know, so I, I expect them to back it up, but... Yeah, for me, if I have to choose, I'm going to take Whataburger over now just because it's not overhyped. So, to my knowledge, Jordan Whitworth has been living in the South Midwest for a long time, probably his whole life. And, yeah, I, I and me, I've been in California for most of my life now. Um, and I can honestly say I love Whataburger better. I always joke that it's Whataburger that made me want to play in the South. <laughs> and um yeah that's pretty much uh pretty much it i just told him you lost major cool points with me and he says someone had to ask the hard questions 
So <laughs> someone's and, not getting the Christmas card. <laughs> and and if, if I can speculate, I believe Jordan is from the Oklahoma area. Um, and anyone that knows, you know, South Midwest, if you're from Texas, you don't people like Oklahoma. If you're from Oklahoma, you don't like Texas. So there may be some regional bias playing into that. You know, I, I'm going to choose Whataburger over, you know, in and out mentality. And Jordan's just on the wrong side of the line on this one. At least we agree on that. Um, <laughs> wrong, side the, wrong side of the Red River, to be very specific. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so <laughs> it, it's safe to assume, like I said, the South is a family-oriented competitive scene, as evident by the questions asked. Um, and Clay is a very intelligent, uh, very intelligent ride or die for his team because i'm not going to get over that mayo chugging thing he wants to do uh, but i'm also not going to get over the fact that yeah uh cat five and lone star bring it with the memes and they're not afraid of it but this is where it's going to hit you in the gut and it's hit me in the gut fairly recently um what i call the theme of legacy so clay um i don't know how far along you thought about this or if it's ever crossed your mind, but how would you like to be remembered once you play your final game? I I hope that it's for the lighthearted stuff. I hope it is, you know, for the memes, you know, for, for having fun and trying to bring community. I hope, um, I hope it's not for the handful of times, probably more than a handful of times, that, or I would get overly competitive during a match. Um, you know, I, I've exchanged heated words with probably half the South, um, I would say a larger portion of the dodgeball community as a whole, but I don't get to play them that much. Um, and that's, you know, I, I want to see the sport grow. I want to see it move forward. Um, and when it does come time, come time, there we go. We can talk now <laughs> to officially hang up, hang up my gear. Um, I still want to be involved. You know, I, I still hope to, to work with, with Jake and then the board with USA dodgeball. Um, you know, I'll still help out with events at, you know, like Sin City and other, you know, other major ones like that. So I, while I may step off the court, I hope I don't step away from the game. You know, I take more of a, a front office type job, you know, as, as a lot of other you know, pro athletes would do. So I, I hope my legacy is far from over, even after I hang up my shoes, my knee pads. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that. I feel like only a handful of people would truly step away and, um, your answer was no surprise. Uh, anytime I've been to Sin City and the few times I've been to Sin City, you've always been helpful in roughing and I would call herding the cattle. <laughs> it was like getting us from court one to court two or whatever. Um, and especially with how much bigger it's gotten prior to the pandemic. Um, I want I would also add that to anyone who knows the South, I would consider you a staple member of the South. Um, I would also even say you're, among the pillars of uh, New Orleans. Let's, let's not get let's not get carried with prop me up here too much. You know, I, I don't need a bigger, <laughs> I don't need a bigger ego than I walk around with most of the time anyway. Well, this this is the part where I I, I kind of fill in what my perspective of your legacy would be. <laughs> so, um, I would say you're you're very impactful in the community, but you also do bring a lot of the lightheartedness. Um, I can't speak to the overly competitive side of it, but I'm sure I've had moments where I've been overly competitive, whether with you or with anyone else. But I feel like people are going to remember you for being just a positive, uh, a positive person, a competitive player, and 
a true staple of the South and someone who's going to help move this forth, growing, pushing it uh, forward in the right direction once we can resume. And um, even though COVID took that away from us last year, I know you're itching at, you're chomping at the bit to get to lead the South and put us a step closer to help growing it and making it better than what it already is. And it's already great to begin with. And I have a hundred percent faith in you in that regard. This is not only coming from a player, coming from a captain, but just coming from a man-to-man perspective. I think the South is in great hands with you. And I think the community, once they hear your story, um, will will definitely cherish you more. Now, let it inflate your ego all at want. People can come at me in the comments if they so choose. I got a meme war ready to go off in case anyone wants to go off, but I stand by what I said. So as far as I'm concerned, your legacy is secured on that end as well. Thank you. That was, that was, that was nice, to, nice to hear. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's always weird when I ask that question because it always hits me in the gut. Cause like, how, how do I feel if I were to choose to walk away? But it, it, it hits me in the gut just as much, I guess. <laughs> so right before we wrap this up, uh, do you have any shout outs you'd like to give? You know, I'm, I'm going to say no. I, I think the, the, the ones that I want to throw out, I threw out organically. Um, I'm not just going to cold call someone and say they're awesome just for the sake of saying they're awesome. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, I, let, me, let me take that back. I do want to get one. Uh, Vince Marchmix. Um, unfortunately, it didn't get to become a real thing because COVID did take away our, our 2019 season. But Vince made the sickest jerseys for Cat 5 for, for whatever our next season may be. Hopefully it's 2022. Um, they're sitting and waiting to be printed. We're just waiting on an official tournament date. But yeah, Vince, thank you. They're awesome. They fit the theme of, of the team very, very well. So yeah, I'll throw one out to Vince. <laughs> so safe to assume once we find out when we can play, we'll find out what they look like? Yes, yes. Um, they'll, they'll be up. We did, we, Vince hit me up uh, at the beginning of COVID, you know, middle of, of shutdown. It's like, hey, did you get them printed? We're going to make a video showing off all the new threads everyone's got. And unfortunately, we, we didn't, we didn't pull the trigger on, on getting them made until, because they were going to be a, a round two jersey for us. Mm. Uh, and then round two for us got taken away. You know, round one for everybody else got taken away. So they didn't actually get printed, but when they do, they're sick and they're a lot of fun. Man, the season that would have been. Um, <laughs> uh, so before we uh, wrap this up, I wanted to ask, who came up with the, the, the team name Cap 5? I believe actually it was Anna Wynn. Um, hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we were, we were shop, you know, shopping some team names around and, you know, forming a new team out of what was crew, what was, you know, coup de gras and, you know, a couple of other disbanded New Orleans teams trying to, trying to make a new roster. And yeah, we wanted something, you know, Gulf South specific and not just a generic, you know, tiger name, which there's 50,000, you know, tigers and all these other, generic names floating around um and we fell in love with it instantly and just kind of ran with it and you know tyler red i did the first uh hurricane graphic for us for that one and it, it kind of stemmed off of that which we had to explain to a lot of people that so anyone that doesn't live in the gulf south didn't really know about hurricanes just like people in the south don't really know about earthquakes from the west yeah um so trying to explain what a category five was was kind of a recurring theme everywhere we went you know, because people didn't get it. And I think a lot of people still don't this. And it just got shorted to Cat 5. And there, there was a couple of Cat jerseys we made just to play off of that. 
And so it just went from being hurricane themed to now we're just internet-y and trolly and having fun with it. Gotcha. I just wanted to get that in there before we go. And we will wrap this up in three, two, interview with clay clay thank you so much for hopping on and sharing your story with us um whether we talked dodgeball mma and everything in between um we definitely went into a lot of spectrums and subjects and definitely had fun having him on so next week i'm also gonna stay in the realm of kansas city and i'm gonna interview the biggest pest i mean one of my closest friends <laughs> brett cobble and I'm sure that one will be a fun one for sure, because we always go back and forth and in a fun way. Um, Brett moved last year to Kansas City. Uh, I guess that's where he's from. And um, yeah, kind of miss having him around. So it's going to be fun to talk to him for a bit, have him share a story and see where it goes from there. If you've listened up until this point, thank you so much. And stay tuned for the next episode. Have a wonderful day.